0: the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Well, welcome to the day after Christmas. So, Anybody planning a nap for this afternoon? Yeah, it can be kind of frenetic and a little crazy, and uh, but it's fun to anticipate, and it's a blast when it's here, but there's a little bit of relief when it goes, too, isn't there? Yeah, so, well, you know, Santa, Santa Claus works really hard on Christmas Eve. He's flying all through the air, you know. And landing on all those rooftops, you know, that puts a lot of wear and tear on the old sleigh. Have you ever wondered how Santa's elves clean his sled when Christmas is over? They use a lot of sanitizer. That's a good one. (laughs) Actually, this morning I wanted to take one more look at the nativity story I wanted to take just a moment and look once again at Matthew's Gospel. Here's what it says in Matthew 2, verse 1 and 2 and 9 through 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Have you ever wondered, have you ever really stopped to think and wonder about that star it's a, very, it's a very curious thing to consider. Uh, one theory is that the star was actually Halley's Comet. But the closest date for that would have been 11 B.C. And that's too early to be the birth of Christ. So another thought is that that star was actually a supernova. That's an exploding star that fills the sky with a bright flash of light. They're extremely rare and very unpredictable, but once again, there's just no record of a supernova anywhere close to the time of Jesus' birth. One very popular idea is that it was possibly a conjunction of planets. A conjunction happens when planets align in the sky and appear as if they are together, and it causes a brighter-type star appearance. This year, back on August 19th, you may have seen one, because on that day, Mercury and Mars crossed paths and lined up together. If you missed that, you have to wait a little bit to see it again, because the next time it will happen will be on August 23rd of 2032. But this spring, on April 27th, Venus and Neptune will come together. Now in 7 BC, Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn, all three came together. And in 2 BC, Jupiter and Venus crossed crossed paths. Could either one of those be what the Magi saw? Or was the star of Bethlehem something even more? Was it something that is beyond a natural phenomenon, something special from God just for that moment and just for that occasion? You know it it, it might be fun to kind of speculate and guess and try to figure out what it may have been, but we honestly just don't know. I tend to think that it was just a special s- supernatural event for that moment and for that occasion. But you can try to speculate and figure it out. You could say this, though. You could say that the Magi looked up into the night sky, and that led them to God. And they're not the only ones. The night sky has always been a very impressive sight. Abraham Lincoln is quoted as saying, I never behold the heavens filled with stars that I do not feel that I am looking in the face of God. I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist, but I cannot conceive how he could look up into the heavens and say that there is no God. There's something beautiful and powerful and mesmerizing on a clear night filled with, with stars. A night where the stars are so bright and the sky just seems to be completely filled up with them. Whenever I go on a mission trip into Haiti, one of my favorite things to do is sleep out under the stars at night. It's a, it's a beautiful sight. Without any electricity, without any artificial lights anywhere, the sky is amazing. And sometimes, honestly, it's hard to fall asleep because I don't even want to close my eyes. I'm just enjoying the view that much. Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, catches kind of the spirit of that wonder. It says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? A father once took his family to the Mesa Verda National Park in Colorado. He said, the sky was so brilliant that it almost seemed like you could touch the stars. And their three boys that night decided to sleep out under the stars, just out on the ground in the open air. The husband and the wife had just settled down into the tent to get some sleep, and it wasn't long before their youngest came into the tent, dragging his sleeping bag along with him. And the dad looked at him, and he said, what's the matter, son? Is, Is it getting too cold? No, the young boy said, I just never knew that I was so small. (laughs) Have you ever really stopped to consider how large the universe really is? Have you ever looked up and felt pretty small? Where do I fit? Where do I fit into all of this? Do I really matter? Uh, Do you remember the novel and the movie titled 2001, A Space Odyssey? the author of that book kind of made the same kind of observation. He said this, he said, If there are any gods whose chief concern is man, they can't be very important gods. His thought was that in this great grand picture of all that there is, in consideration of the whole entire universe, we're just too insignificant to really matter much. Stephen Hawking was even more pessimistic. He said that as humans, we are just a chemical scum on a moderate-sized planet orbiting around a very average star in the outer suburb of one among 100 billion galaxies. How's that for positive affirmation? (laughs) You're nothing more than chemical scum. Apparently, you see, when these two guys, when these guys looked up into the night sky at the great big universe that's out there, it made them feel really small. It made them feel small, and it made them question, where does humanity fit in all of this? David asked God the same question in that psalm that we read. David said, what is man that you are mindful of him? We live on this tiny speck in a massive and grand universe. And David looked into that sky with nothing more than his natural eyes. Can you imagine if he could look through a telescope? Imagine if he could magnify the sky and look as deep as we could look at it today. Astronomers now estimate that there's about 125 billion galaxies in the visible universe. Each galaxy is filled with millions or even billions of stars. And some would say, some would say that because the universe is so big and we are so small that it's proof that we really don't matter But there's a movie that I really like, and there's a quote that comes from that movie that I really like. And it comes from the great Jedi named Yoda. (laughs) Yoda said, size matters not. (laughs) Size does not necessarily equal importance. David knew that in God's eye, we are honored. We are considered special. If we continue in the psalm, Psalm 8, verse 4 through 9, it says, What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all The earth. You see, God created humanity with a very special emphasis, just a little lower than the heavenly beings, crowned with glory and honor, ruler over the works of his hands, with authority and with power. Genesis 1 tells us that we were created in the image of God. We are created in the likeness of God, a shadow of who he is. You see, we are more than just an evolved animal. We are more than just an animal instinct. We are spirits. We are intentional and we are creative. We have intelligence and we have morals. We are relational and we have emotion. We are created unique and we are created with intention. God is the author of Of all of life, and God chose for us to live. The Bible says that He knit us together within our mother's womb. You know, we don't live. We don't live until God gives us the breath to breathe. And therefore, not a single one of us, no one is here by accident. We we are all here with intention and with purpose. When David looked into the sky and was blown away with what he saw, he also recognized that the same God that called each of those stars into existence chose for him to live. I wonder, do we ever really stop and think about that? Do we ever really stop to consider and think that God's first gift to us is the gift of life, created by God intentionally and with a purpose? David said, what is man that you are mindful of him? In this great big expanse of this universe, in this huge thing above us, all around us, What is man that you are mindful of him? We could ask the same question and we could even make it even more personal. God, who am I? Who am I that you would care about me? I don't have anything all that special really about me. I don't have this incredible talent or ability. I don't hold any real position of influence. I'm not sure, God, that I have that much to offer. Who am I that you would care about me? I can get moody once in a while. I sometimes struggle with doubt. I I lose my cool and I make mistakes. And God, I fail way too often. So who am I? God says, You are someone that I chose to create. God says you are created with potential and you are created with a purpose and I wanted you to exist so I created you. God says you are someone whom I love. Stop and think about that. God loves you. And he doesn't love you in just some general impersonal way. He loves you personally and intimately. The Bible tells us that God is big enough that he knows the stars by name. Psalm 147 verse 4 says he counts the stars and he calls them by name. But the Bible also tells us that God is close enough that he knows our name. John chapter 10 verse 3, he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. I don't know about you, but I struggle to remember names. I can meet someone new, ask them their name, and then 10 seconds later, look at my wife and go, what was their name again? (laughs) It's like I ask someone their name, and then I forget to listen to them as they tell me their name. God knows your name, and he will never forget He won't forget your name. Luke's gospel tells us that even the hairs on our head are numbered. It's this implication that God knows us in a very deep and very personal way. Who am I? I am known and I am loved by God. Max Lucado said it like this. He said, you weren't an accident. You weren't mass produced. You aren't an assembly line product. You were deliberately planned, specifically gifted, and lovingly positioned on the earth by the master craftsman. God knows you, and God loves you, because God is the one who created you. God absolutely loves you. David looked up into the night sky and he couldn't believe that the God who created all of that magnificence actually cared about him. In Psalm 18, verse 19, he wrote, He rescued me because He delights in me. He understood that it was God who rescued him, and he understood that God did it because He delights in us, He loves us. He understood God's grace, he understood God's mercy, he understood God's forgiveness. He knew the love of God. But I'm pretty sure that he did not know the full extent of God's love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The one who is big enough to count the stars knows us and loves us. And because he loves us, he gave us Jesus for our salvation. That's how deep his love is. That's how much he wants to be with you. He made a way to take away the sin that holds us apart from God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the real depth of how much God loves us. Who am I? I am someone who God loved so much that he gave Jesus who died for me. But where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? When we realize that the God of the universe, the one who created the stars in our sky, and the one who gave us life, he knows us, he loves us, and he gave Jesus to pay the price for our sins. Where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us with a choice. We can either believe that or we can reject it. If we reject it, we walk away and that's that. But if we accept it, if we believe it, what do we do? If we accept it, well, we either ignore it or we embrace it. If we ignore it, well, that's that, and it makes no difference in our life. If we embrace it, what do we do? If we embrace it, then we let it influence and take over and lead our lives. We live it. We pledge our allegiance and our devotion to our Lord. He becomes our Lord and our Savior, and we live in obedience to Him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. James wrote that faith without works is a faith that is dead. I don't know about you, but personally, I still still want to feel special I hate feeling insignificant or without purpose. I want to feel important. I want to feel valued and treasured. And outside of faith in Christ, I'm not sure how people find that worth. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 10 says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow deep into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body so that you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. Paul was writing to the Christians in Colossae and he encouraged them. He said, if you accepted Christ, continue to follow him. If you accepted Christ, continue to follow him. Let your roots grow deep. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies. And then in verse 10, so you are also complete through your union with Christ. In Christ, we are complete. In other versions that this gets translated to, it says, in Christ, we are filled, or in Christ, we are fulfilled. David saw the wonder of the night sky, and I believe that's exactly how he felt. He was amazed and he found comfort, knowing that even with how vast and how imposing the universe is, God's eye was upon him. Creation gives us this testimony of who God is, but as we take notice, God's quick to remind us that in the middle of this great big universe, God's heart His affection, his devotion, and his care is centered on us. An interesting fact, according to an article by the Institute for Creation Research, our solar system appears to be at the center of the universe. The data shows that the cosmic background radiation coming from other galaxies comes to us in a very uniform fashion, from all directions it appears that the galaxies are all moving away from us in the same way in all directions. And right in the middle of our universe is a star that we call the sun. The sun is a very incredible and very unique star. It's a nearly perfect ball of hot plasma heated to incandescence by nuclear reactions within its core. It then radiates that energy mainly as visible light, ultraviolet light, and infrared radiation. It is by far the most important source of energy for life on Earth. And in comparison to the nature of most stars, the sun is extremely stable. It has been providing heat and light and life for our planet since the beginning of time. The sun is essential for life. We need the sun. Well, the Magi followed a star that led them to another sun. It led them to Jesus, the Son of God. And we need that sun even more than the star that lights this planet. Jesus is our salvation, our eternity, the rescue from our sin. The magi took this long journey to come to Jesus and to worship him. But they chose to worship him because they knew the majesty of that moment. David finished his psalm with an expression of praise. He said, O Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Our world, our universe, is an amazing place. The heavens declare how great and how majestic God is. Just imagine and stop to realize that the God who created all of it loves you. What is man that he is mindful of us Who am I, God, that you would care about me? The answer is, it's really not about us. It's about Him. He loves us not for who we are. He loves us because of who He is. And His love for us should inspire us even more than the most beautiful star-filled sky. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the word of God be living and active in your life.